0: Thank you, Margaret. It's a beautiful reminder that the kingdom is now here and available to us and indeed within us. Um, I want to give uh, people an opportunity to sow their tithes and offerings uh, from From this coming week, you'll be able to do it in person in the building. Although a lot of people do it online now, so uh, Lucas will put the those giving details up on the screen. And uh, I'm really excited by um, the news that I have to share right now. And actually, I'm going to make it part of my message because the message is about is about what needs to happen when we come together. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you that um, you have already. made a way, Father, for us all to come back together in a unity birth in your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for that, Lord, and I pray, Father God, that each one of us would have that commitment to walk in unity as we worship, as we pray, as we prophesy, as we evangelise, as we preach, as we reach out to family, friends, community, city, nation, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, for those of you who may not yet be aware, yesterday uh, New South Wales hit the point of 80% um, vaccination, full vaccination across the state, which means that um, from tomorrow we can meet as a church here in the building um, with a couple of rules. Now, the first thing I want to point out is that there is – no discrimination between vaccinated people and non-vaccinated people. Everybody is welcome to come into church from tomorrow. The only thing is that uh, there will be a four-square-meter rule in place, and that you'll have to wear masks in uh, while you're in the building. And I believe that that will be rolled out. Uh, that will be um, that. Particular restriction of mass will be removed in the coming weeks, and uh, as my understanding is that by December the first we will be down to a two square meter rule, and so um, I'm just really happy about that. So our first uh, public meeting here in this building will be tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for our intercessory prayer meeting, and what a good way to uh, to kick off again the public ministry of Open Heaven Church. Uh, That meeting will be here downstairs because with the four square metre rule, I don't don't believe we'll have enough uh, safe room in that room upstairs. And so tomorrow night, 7pm, please come along. You'll need to check in, of course, at the door as you do in any venue in New South Wales at the moment. And um, we're going to have a great time in the Lord tomorrow night. Uh, Friday night, we'll be back here again for a uh, a worship service that's going to be filled with prophetic worship um, with a certain amount of the word in there and lots of ministry we want to be praying for people prophesying over people releasing healing and deliverance and all the things that uh, we've we've kind of had to miss out on to a degree by not gathering together so uh, welcome back guys uh, you will have to register. Because of the four square metre rule, we have more people than we can fit in the building, I believe, for these upcoming services. You won't have to register for tomorrow night. I don't think we'll get 100 people here on a uh, Monday night for prayer. If we do, uh, that would be a nice precedent to set. Um, however, definitely for next Friday and for next Sunday, you will need to register with Sylvia. Now, um Those of you who are members of Open Heaven Church will have her mobile number to do that. Just send her a text, tell her that you're coming, tell her who's coming with you. If you're not a member of Open Heaven Church and you'd like to come, you can still do it. From uh, tomorrow, uh, you can go to the church website, openheavenchurch.org.au and uh, register for the service. If we fill up before time, before you get a chance to register, you'll be notified whether you can come or not or whether you've been placed on a waiting list. So having got that out of the way, um, I want to open this message called The Unity of the Spirit um, out of Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 4. I therefore, this is Paul speaking, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. We are connected by a unity birthed in the Holy Spirit. The Bible does not speak about a spirit of unity. The Bible speaks about a unity of the spirit. It is something supernatural that has been released to us as we became part of the body of Christ and it's something that we need to individually protect and nurture. So uh, the last two years have seen the most global upheaval that I can remember in my lifetime and probably yours as well. The world is in the middle of one of the greatest shifts in history. And uh, we can all remember that first shock when COVID-19 broke out, the scramble of governments around the world to find a a way to deal with it, the lockdowns, all the, the social and commercial upheaval, the damage to the economy, Um, the pervasive fear that swept across the world and we've had to deal with the shock of our comfortable lives being turned upside down. But there's something else that has begun playing out that I believe is just as serious as the faith versus fear challenge. One of the greatest challenges that we've had to face is whether we uh, live our lives by faith as we are supposed to do, as we are encouraged to do by the Word of God, or whether we allow fear to invade our choices, our decisions and and our lives. And uh, in the lead-up to the last US election, something happened across the world. A bitter spirit of division took hold, particularly in the West. And this was something that went way beyond typical political disagreements. Um, You will have noticed in US politics, if you follow it at all, that over the last 10 years in particular, uh, the two sides of the political spectrum have become more and more polarised. But in the lead up to that election, disagreement actually became hatred. And families became so divided over the US election and the person of Donald Trump in particular, that family members would not even speak to one another. And this spilled over, this spirit of division that came in, spilled over into communities, into cities, took hold of entire states and even nations across the world. Simultaneously, you had COVID-19 break out and COVID is still here. I have friends um, who are from Romania and uh, in the last six minutes one person died in Romania from COVID. One person is dying every six minutes from COVID. They have 14,000 new cases every day. Indonesia and Malaysia and places like that around the world, there are many countries around the world that are going through the peak of COVID in their nation. As the West has struggled to recover from our massive problems perpetuated by not just the health crisis but government's response to it, more problems have emerged and greater division has been the result. Now at the risk of, I'm being very, very careful about what I say in today's message because I like to preach and I like to move off the script and be led by the Holy Spirit, but I understand the importance of what I need to say today and so I've been very careful in preparing this. At the risk of oversimplifying what can be very complex issues, there is one thing that I can say with certainty. There is one overwhelming reason why the West is now in danger of imploding. It is because the West has progressively been turning its back on God and our Judeo-Christian governmental foundations more and more. And we have held up for generations democracy as the ultimate form of government available to the world. But democracy has uh, within it what can become a fatal weakness. That weakness is that If the majority of people within a democracy turn their back on God and embrace values that go against the word of God, then those who adhere to godly principles and values will become more and more marginalised within a culture that increasingly despises the checks and balances that Christian values and Christian governmental foundations provide. This is the point that we are in, in the West. We are at a dangerous tipping point in history. Why am I saying all this and talking about unity? Well, there is a specific element in all of what I've just mentioned that is dividing the church. I'm talking about the church around the world. Governments, including our own, have seized on the rapid development of COVID-19 vaccines as not just a protection against COVID, but as our pathway out of the lockdowns crippling our economy. I am not against vaccines. I am not against the idea that uh, as many people as possible should get vaccinated. I'm not against that idea. However, Governments have become increasingly coercive and manipulative in promoting vaccination as the only pathway back to normal life. But then governments have gone one step further in various places around the world. The mandating of vaccination in a number of industries has actually thrown people out of work. I have personal friends who are now in a place of limbo in regard to their employment because of the mandatory vaccinations that are being imposed um, across different industries and this is creating greater and greater division. In effect, what we now have temporarily at least, and I believe temporarily, a two-tiered society and this has created a clear Disparity and inequality that those who have been vaccinated have greater freedoms than those who have not. That's where our state, New South Wales, currently is at the moment. Sydney is divided into a two tiered society. And it appears that at least to some extent this will remain the case until and unless the underlying public health orders around mandatory vaccinations are rescinded. This is something that I believe we must believe for as the body of Christ in our nation. Already polarised socially and politically, our culture is cracking under the strain of COVID and under the limitations placed on our freedoms and because of the overreach of government in trying to apply only the solution of vaccination to get us out of this mess. In many cases, accusation, offence and division have become the order of the day. Opinions are held so tightly that great offence is taken if opinion is challenged. The reason that I'm speaking about this today is because the division in our society around this issue has found its way into the church. I'm talking about the wider body of Christ. I have been hearing more coming from church people about the vaccination issue than I have been hearing about Jesus. I am hearing people speak more passionately about their pro or anti-vaccination stance than they do about Jesus or the kingdom mandate that we are being given to bring in the harvest and prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. This is not right. I know of families, Christian families, who will not meet together because one side of the family is vaccinated and the other is not. And don't think that that spirit of division is only working one way. In other words, it's not just vaccinated people that are saying you're not welcome to unvaccinated people. I know a specific case where a family with unvaccinated people has said, those people that are unvaccinated have said to the vaccinated, we're not meeting together um, because of this issue. Christian families. Now the specific reason that I'm addressing all of this today and man, you know, like I hope I never have to do this again. It's because this week the doors of our church will be open to the public for the first time in something like four months. It will be freely open to whoever wants to come, vaccinated or unvaccinated. You will have to book in, like I mentioned before, because of the four square metre rule, but that is a reasonable restraint given the health crisis in our community having a personal uh, friend of mine who is a pastor whose family is just now emerging from a COVID crisis, I can tell you that the health crisis is real and it's still here and we have to acknowledge it. But once you come in these doors, I want you to be very aware of something. This place, this house of worship, is not your place to evangelise others about your stance on vaccination. If you are uncomfortable about that, if you're looking forward to the opportunity to try and spread your opinion, please don't come. I'll just be blunt. This is a house of prayer, worship, ministry, equipping, And the word of God and our primary focus must be that we have been given a mandate to steward revival, raise up an effective ecclesia and see transformation come to our city. If you allow your opinion about the pandemic or vaccines to divide you from your fellowship with other believers, then I might humbly suggest to you that you have an issue, not those you are hoping to persuade. Further, if you have left or are planning to leave your fellowship, this fellowship or another fellowship that you're part of, because the pastor doesn't subscribe to your opinion about the pandemic or vaccination, I would humbly suggest to you that it's not the pastor that has the issue because there is a greater issue in play and that is the unity of the Spirit birthed in the body of Christ to bring our world into revival and transformation. The church of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ made up of many parts that need to function together as a whole for the ministry of Jesus through his body to be of maximum effect. We must be functioning together. Over this past couple of weeks, I've been reading through Philippians and First Corinthians and Ephesians, and it occurs to me that much of Paul's ministry seemed to consist of addressing this issue of unity that appeal for unity out of Ephesians 1 out of Ephesians 1 that I began this message with is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what the word of God has to say on this matter In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for instance starting at verse 12 Paul speaks to the Corinthian church and he says this for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body Being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. You hear one? I'm hearing a lot of ones in this scripture. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member but many. And when we come together, We are one. And something about that scripture jumped out at me that I didn't expect to. There's a little phrase in there, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And so I stopped and I want you to consider something. Consider the scope of what Paul had to deal with here. Firstly, he was an an apostle co-laboring with the Holy Spirit to see something new and revolutionary established. An ecclesia of believers brought into intimate relationship with God only through the atoning work of the blood of his son Jesus. And the gathering of believers that was a result and gatherings of believers were to be nurtured and equipped under an apostolic framework commissioned by Jesus himself, the ascension gifts, set over a foundational set of beliefs framed by the word of God. And then I began to consider what the practical outworking of this particular call was. Because, see, the Jews that he was tasked with converting were some of the most religious people on the face of the earth. Though he primarily ministered to Gentiles, he did minister a lot to Jews. They were some of the most religious people on the face of the earth. Remember, it's mentioned Jews, Greeks, slaves and free. The Greeks he was tasked with converting were among the most philosophical. Have you ever run into an amateur philosopher who wants to argue with you about the existence of God? It'll send you cross-eyed. Sexual sin, witchcraft, pagan worship were all huge issues. In the midst of this, entire households were coming to Christ and many of those households were extremely problematic. We think we have problems in today's church. Consider this for a minute. Consider the centur- centurion Cornelius and his household that was saved through the ministry of Peter. Cornelius was a Roman uh, with great authority, sworn to uphold Rome, and yet his whole household, including his servants and slaves, had come to surrender their lives to Jesus, who Rome had crucified. Not only did he have to make difficult decisions every day as a new Christian serving in a position of great authority under a brutal pagan empire but his his conversion meant a transformation of relationships even within his own home to the extent that, that where he as an owner of slaves must esteem his slaves in his household as being equal to him in the spirit. There's a discipleship problem for you. Paul's letters reflect the difficulty of transformation and yet he persevered Because he knew that beyond any transitory or momentary problem, there was a greater work of God that God was accomplishing across the face of the earth in partnership with men and women of God who humbled themselves under his hand to see the kingdom expanded. What's happened to that focus in the church? Where is it? Because it needs to be back now. By comparison, our difficulties are relatively slight (laughs) and we have the advantage of the New Testament with all its testimonies of how differences and divisions should be dealt with, like the passages that I've already shared this morning. The history of our church, Open Heaven, over the last 10 years has been one of establishing an effective expression of the kingdom. Despite our different cultural, religious, social and economic backgrounds, as people from so many different cultures and backgrounds, we've united for the cause of Christ. And there's one thing that uh, people say without fail who experience um, church in this place for the first time, it's that they know the presence of God is here. And that is because the unity of of the spirit where we are uh, prepared to recognise that the kingdom of God is more important than any personal agendas or opinions or backgrounds or any of those things, when we recognise that and we choose to enthrone God on our praises in this place, he responds with his spirit. This is something precious that we must nurture and steward and protect And so now it's time for us to mature in our expression as the body of Christ. And so consider what Paul goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20, Now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honourable on these we bestow greater honour we hear the phrase culture of honour bandied about can I suggest to you that it needs to start here And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honour to that part which lacks it. That's a miracle of grace, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Schism means division or the tearing apart. And verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now, remember, I'm speaking about this this morning in the context of all this controversy over vaccines and mandates and COVID and all these things. So... How is what I have just read to be practically expressed in our fellowship as we all return to gathering together? Because some of us are vaccinated and some of us are not. Here is, I believe, the godly approach. I honour your faith expressed in the decisions that you have made. By the way, they're your business. If you acted out of conviction and faith to get vaccinated against COVID-19, I honour you as someone who has made that decision in faith. God has, he is, and he will honour the decision you have made in faith with his favour. If I do less than that, if my attitude is less than one of honour, I am operating in conceit. I will return to in a minute. Similarly, if you acted out of conviction and faith to resist getting vaccinated, I honour you as someone who has made that decision in faith. God has, he is, and he will honour your decision made in faith with his favour. His favour will surround you as a shield. If I do less than that, I am operating in conceit. Why am I mentioning conceit? Well, uh, as we continue to journey through some of these scriptures about division and unity, God took me to a particular part of Philippians whilst I was meditating and seeking the Lord. And when I look at the book of Philippians, I understand that the whole book is aimed at addressing the issue of unity But in particular, I want us to examine just a few verses from the end of Philippians 1, spilling over into chapter 2. Philippians 1, starting at verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me and Now here is in me. And then when you turn the page, if you've got the New King James uh, Bible, just above verse 1, it has this title, Unity Through Humility. And he he goes on to say, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, and of course there is, there's consolation in Christ, right? If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and being of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Do you see how that marries up with the other passage of Scripture that I just shared, where you honour what you might consider to be the weaker member of the body? Who knows but that you're actually the weaker member. Is that right? Conceit. Conceit is groundless self-esteem. Conceit is empty pride. Conceit is vain opinion. And conceit is expressed in error. You could be wrong. Ooh, my goodness. That used to be a novel concept to me. So as we come out of pandemic lockdown, in pursuit of what is laid out in these verses that I've just shared with you, I honour your faith expressed in the decisions that you've made. And I trust that we will all commit to honouring each other in the same way. And I want to finish on a very positive note. God has been doing an incredible work even while the enemy has been raging. Those in our leadership team um, and our tech team and worship team that I have more personal contact with over the last four months than others that have jumped in on Zoom and things like that, I've noticed something. There is not one person in our church that I've had any personal contact with that has not been touched and changed in some way by what has happened. But we have to understand that the negative things that we have been perhaps depressed about, anxious about, felt hopeless about, these things were sent by the enemy to destroy us. God is the God who also brought Joseph out of his pit. God's the God who brought Moses out of the back of nowhere to lead a nation into their victory. God is the God who comes and takes Gideon and says, well, you know, you don't need all those people. You just need a remnant to do what I do and we're going to kick this thing out of the land being Baal worship. I want to tell you, God has been doing something good in you while the enemy's been trying to destroy you. And that work has a name. It's called sifting. (laughs) Anybody feeling sifted yet? You know, we think of sifting in terms of the... uh, This is just coming to me now. This is probably my only prophetic departure this morning. (laughs) We think of sifting as being something to do with grain because that's how the Bible often describes it. But you know, uh, an Australian expression that we should all understand of the sifting process comes from the Australian gold rush. Because in places like Bathurst in New South Wales or Ballarat in Victoria, when thousands of people's thousands of people crammed into the gold fields, they were often uh, panning for, uh, for gold. And what that meant was you would have what was essentially a sieve and you would go down into the creek bed and you'd pick up a whole bunch of silt and you would let the water flow through and clear out all the impurities and there what was left behind was pure gold. And that's what God has been doing. He's wanted to establish pure gold in our hearts. And that pure gold needs to be expressed to every single one of our brothers and sisters. Back in May at a time when things seemed like they might be going back to normal in Australia, I brought a prophetic word that a season of sifting was upon us so that revival could come. And that that season of sifting began less than a month later as the pandemic hit Sydney and as it's re-hit Melbourne. As we have allowed the sifting to to do its work, our focus has not only changed, it has been sharpened. That's something that I've been asking for in the last uh, couple of weeks of prayer and fasting is, God, we're going to come out of this. We don't want to come out the same way that we went in and we want our focus to be completely on what you want to accomplish in the kingdom through us. And so I've come to the place where I understand that in a time where uncertainty and fear rules this world, I can be certain in this, that only revival, a genuine move of the Holy Spirit can bring transformation to our communities, cities, states and nations. The church in the last 30 or 40 years has tried everything else, Genuine revival reaches into and transforms the corridors of power in nations. Genuine revival reaches into the realms of religion, family, education, government, arts and entertainment, media, everywhere. Those realms are commonly known as the Seven Mountains. The focus of our church, Open Heaven Church, is shifting now toward a more mature, authentic, effective and offensive, in a good way, expression of ecclesia with a mandate for revival and transformation. You will see this reflected in our prayer gatherings. There are some things about the way we do intercession and prayer that need correction, they will be corrected. You'll see this reflected in our prayer gatherings. You'll see it reflected in a fresh approach to discipleship, to evangelism, to the preaching of the word, to strategic level spiritual warfare, to the way that we approach prophecy and to an, towards an expression of prophetic worship that was originally given to us as a mandate just before Uh, I took on the role as a senior pastor of our church. And all of those things that I just uh, mentioned are going to require a supernatural unity birthed in the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you in this, that that unity birthed in the Spirit is actually part of our birthright and inheritance. Because when we decided to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, we were supernaturally joined to every other believer on the planet. And if that body, that expression of the body of Christ would now rise in maturity, man, shackles would be broken off entire nations. Irene, can you bring your worship team back up? As, uh, as we were worshipping before and as the worship team was singing King of Glory, I felt that prophetic impulse in me that that must be the prophetic declaration over our church reopening. King of Glory, fill this place. King of Glory, fill each one of us as individuals. Fill us as a body. Burn out the spirit of division, Lord. Burn out the, the, the pursuit of information at the expense of the revelation of Jesus Christ in and through us, I pray. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Let's all be worthy of the calling that God has placed upon us with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond God. Of peace. Let me finish my message this morning on that note and by inviting everybody back into this building this week, Amen. hallelujah, and that we, we might all welcome each other with open arms and set aside our differences for the cause of Christ and for the cause of the expansion of his kingdom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that as the worship team begins to worship, we begin to worship you. We invite the King of glory to come. Take your rightful place among us, Lord. Let us all look to you. Let us all hear from your Spirit. Let us all walk in the unity of the Spirit that you have given us as a gift, as a birthright, as an inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen.